1: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
2: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the behind the line podcast where we discuss all things related to the super retriever series Hey, everybody, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and we have an amazing guest with us today, the one and only Jerry Day, yes, the legend himself. We're very excited to talk to Jerry here in just a couple moments, and of course, we'll have all of Jerry's insight here over the next 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, Before we get started, we do want to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Yukonuba, the Super Retriever Series Crown Championship, and all of our Behind the Line podcast episodes are brought to you by Yukonuba, the leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. A guy who knows a thing or two about sporting and working dogs is the legend himself, Mr. Jerry Day. And Jerry, it is my pleasure to welcome you here to the podcast. I know a lot of our listeners are looking forward to hearing from you. So thanks for taking some time out and talking to us today.
1: Roger I appreciate that uh glad to do it
2: so uh let's uh let's take it back a, a bit you, you just told me a few moments ago you're you're 82 but you've been uh been in this game several decades so uh when was the first time you started you know training a dog whether as an amateur or as a pro what was your what's your earliest memory of of you training uh a sporting and hunting dog
1: well the way it all started for me was back in the early 80s. I had a good friend of mine. He's past now, Philip Freeman. And we hunted together and neither one of us had a dog. And first time I'd seen anything to do with field trials, this hunt test had not even started. He was friends of some people with the Atlanta Retriever Club. And we would go out and shoot for the open or the amateur uh, they would take care of us. We'd shoot all day, two days. And we did this off and on uh, several years. And a few of my buddies, they, you know, why don't you get a dog? And I, I told them, I said, I can't kill an elk as far as y'all want these dogs to go pick up an old sloppy dead duck, you know. Uh, but Philip and I did. We hunted all over the southeast. Uh, however, the, where we hunted, we're not in a good migration area so we started hunting up in the Carolinas uh, actually went out west all the way out to West Texas north as far as the UP and also down in the uh, Louisiana The problem was we neither had a duck and I was a little taller than Philip so I was the retriever. <laughs> Uh, I kind of got tired of going out there and letting water run down in my waders. So to have it, uh, our duck club, uh, excuse me, not our duck club, our deer club was in Monticello, Georgia. And a DU chapter was having a party. And our deer camp by the back roads wasn't about three miles from uh, where they was having this party. So we took the Jeep and we rode, and you know we protect uh, took in all of the actions and everything. And lo and behold, they had a little yellow lab, female lab. Uh, somebody had given to them to auction off uh, uh, a donation. And uh, like I said, we uh, I let Philip twist my arm a little bit and too much, and I ended up buying that puppy. It was not my Super Sue dog, but it was a dog named Sandy Sue. And that's basically where it started. And the first hunt test I really ever seen was in late 82, early 83. Uh, it was the NARA program. And that's where I, I met Richard Walters and read his book, uh, Water Dog, and two or three other of his books. Got to know him pretty well. And that's that's where it kind of started with me. Uh, The NARA program was really popular back in those days. Then the HRC, I didn't know it at the time, was kind of a uh, shoot-off between NARA. And they had a really neat program uh, because you used the shotgun, handled the shotgun in the HRC program. So we got involved in that. And, you know, both being hunters, we loved it. And then a little bit later on, off of NARA, the AKC started their hunt test program, and we got involved in that. So we were, you know, kind of doing all three venues. And then in the spring of about 1990, I bought 64 acres uh, down in uh, south of Noonan, Georgia, and we started building a training facility, lake, and all of this. And unfortunately... Uh, my little Sandy Sue dog in some of the construction. Uh, she was about nine years old. Uh, she had had some puppies. I'd given one of the puppies to Philip, and we had kept one of the puppies. And uh, she got run over, and she passed away. Mm. And at that time, I, it discouraged me so bad that I just I told my wife I'm out of it. We'll sell the farm, whatever but I'm not fooling with dogs. It was really devastating. Wow, sounds like it,
2: willing to sell, yeah. willing to sell the 90-acre the farm all over, over Sandy Sioux. I can imagine how heartbreaking that was.
1: Well, and, and, and I, I wouldn't even go help my wife train her little dog, Sadie, which ended up being a nice little, really nice little dog. And anyway, a few months later, she said, well, if you got a dog, what would you want? Knowing that she couldn't find anything, I told her I would like to have a, another yellow female, but it had to be out of a dog named M.D. Houston, or Marathon Man, which they called Marty, uh, which was a field trial dog, and I'd kind of kept up with some of the stuff in the back then in the field trial news, but it was like a little newspaper, knowing that she wouldn't ever find anything. And lo and behold, about six months later from that, I'm sitting in my recliner, pouting, you know. She come up and says, look what I bought you. And, oh, I, I said, you bought me what? <laughs> <laughs> she says, oh, well, the lady, they had 14 puppies, and this was the last little female left. And I said, oh, my God. I said, uh, the last one left, and nobody want her. <laughs> She says, well, you better like her because she's coming in Delta Dash tomorrow.
2: Sounds like the moral of that story is don't tell your wife that she can't do something because she'll definitely go do it. Well, is that the
1: truth?
2: In ain't those early I'm- years with Sandy Sue and with your, with your early dogs, did you do all the training yourself or at that point were you relying on a professional trainer? Because at that point you weren't a trainer yourself as a profession. You were just, as you said, you know, trying to, to train a dog to compete in these events and, and to be your hunting dog. So did you have any help from a professional or was all of the training just you and the dog?
1: Well, up up until with Sandy Sue, we had formed a NARA club called the Great Southern. And we had some people in it that had run field trials. Like I said, I read Richard Walter's book, uh, Good Gracious, back in the old days. And I, I ought to be able to name the books off. Uh, There were several really good training books that everybody, uh, I don't know if they'd read them or not, but I started trying to get all the information that I could. And Philip and I, we trained ourselves, and then we trained with our club. And back then, this was before we had the electric collar. Now, the electric collar was out, but at the time, we was doing conventional training. And you'd go out in the field, and you'd get after your dog, and you'd come back, and it was. I learned a lot. I learned a lot by doing that because I refer back to a lot of it even today. Uh, A lot of people think that the electric collar is the answer, but the electric collar is only a tool, and it it it, you, you don't. It's not something that you use to train the dog with. It's it's a tool. And a lot of people, you know, take it the wrong way. But anyway, I really didn't get involved with another trainer until, uh, well, I take that back, uh, right towards the end. We had a young man that come in and joined our club that had spent some, uh, time with Rex Carr, And I went out and got involved with him and a couple of other our club members. But, uh, he took about his money and uh, wasn't a. He, he was a good trainer, but he was an alcoholic, and it didn't take but just a short time that we run him out of town, and we we was back on our own. And with the lake and the farm and all that I had, uh, you know, we would try to read the books and would go down, and we had some people from our field trial club, the Atlanta Retriever Club, that helped us quite a bit. And then we had some members of the nara organization that had run field trials we would go to their property and, and they helped us a lot and i can remember the first electric collar that i bought i paid six hundred dollars for it read the little pamphlet put it on sandy sue sent her on the blind blew the whistle she didn't stop and i said oh well the book said this, or the pamphlet said just Mash this button. I mashed the button. She screamed bloody murder. <laughs> I gave her a hand signal. She didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I didn't know what I was doing either. After about three of those little dilemmas, I throwed that thing in the lake. And six years later, after I spent a lot of time and money trying to, and learning how to use it properly, I bought me another electric collar. And uh, then that's where, at that point, I had Super Sue. And uh, we started off uh, doing our own basic work, you know, from reading the books with Super Sue. And then I carried her and uh, another female that we'd bought from the same lady later on to uh, a friend of mine up in uh, Hartsville, South Carolina. Yeah, uh, matter of fact, he run the SRS. His name was Richard McDonald. And he was working and training uh, AKC Hunt Test and NARA back then. And that's kind of where I started off, uh, you know, watching him a little bit. And then I took my dogs from him, and we went on and started running Hunt Test. And when Sue was five years old... She had done already gotten her NAra title, her HRC title, and her master hunter title, and uh, she had gotten a master, master national plate and at that time, I spent a, about another year just nothing but hunting. I said we'd done most everything that you could do in the hunt test and it, it was I love the hunt test, but you know after you've done it, then you start looking for. Different things to do, and I ended up calling Mike Lardy, and he answered the phone. And I told him who it was and explained what I was trying to do. And I wanted to get Super Sue evaluated, and he invited me down. And this was uh, a good while back. Matter of fact, uh, he, his place was in Florida. I went down there and stayed a week and train with him and the thing that impressed me the most and which I've tried to use myself uh, when I was even training amateurs uh, when we finished up that week later I said well what do you think and he had a notebook on his truck about three inches thick and he flipped that notebook up and opened and He had everything that she had done, every whistle she had stopped on, every cast I gave, and that just impressed me. And every dog that he run, that he had on his truck, he kept notes. And I said, you know, golly, this is amazing. He said, well, that's the only way when you're running this many dogs that you can keep up with the trends of what they're doing and what they're not doing. And I asked him, I said, well, would you take Super Sue? He said, well, you got a really nice female but she's four years old and it's going to take about a year to transfer for into transition into field trial work. And you could be, you'll be running against dogs that have been field trial trained for five years. Cause if you take a year to transition her, she'll be five years old. And I said, well, look, I, I I just want to do something different. And if she can make it fine, if she can't, that's fine too. Can you take her? He said, well, I've got a waiting list over a year long. He said, I'll see if I can call India tar and see if he can take her. And well, what little I knew about Mike and his uh, associates and work that Andy had worked for him. Well, that was the year that he and Andy had separated, uh, with, with the dogs because they had so many in training and right there he called Andy and Andy was in Cairo and Cairo Georgia but he was full and he couldn't take her until he went back on his winter trip on I mean, his summer trip back uh, to Wisconsin so we made some arrangements to meet I think that fall April, uh, in April uh, in Nashville he was doing a seminar there And then he would take her own back uh, to Wisconsin, and all of that happened. And at the time, I was traveling in my. I had a machine shop, and we had started uh, days. Excuse me, days in retrievers. Well, we had just started days in, and I was doing some manufacturing, making some wingers and holding blinds and a few, you know, just some items like that. Sure. That was several years before we changed the name to Dogs of Field. And my plan was to go up there about once a month and spend a week with Andy during the wintertime. And uh, anyway, long story short, in September, Andy runs Sue in a qualifying, and she won. And he called me and says, now, when you come up in October, you know, you can run this qualifying, so forth, so forth. And I said, okay, that'll be great. And a couple of weeks later, we got one of the largest orders of in our machine shop that, that we'd had in years. And I called Andy and said, look, I, I can't come. I, I've got to add people into our uh, second shift. And if I don't get this big order out, I won't be able to pay you. He said, well, you better get that order out. <laughs> you know? so, anyway, long story short, he said, well, if she wins this next qualifying, you can't run. If you win too, you can't run. And I said, that's fine with me. Just do what you got to do. And I guess it was a couple of three weeks later on a Sunday night, the phone rung. Back then we had bag phones and. On your home phone, you had a little ID thing and tell you who's calling. And it was Andy. And I said, oh, how's it going? And the first thing out of his mouth, he says, you cannot run amateur – I mean, you cannot run qualifying again. And I said, oh, she won. And he says, yes, she won, but the judge gave her second place. I said, what do you mean? You told me that if you won two qualifiers – that you couldn't run anymore. And if she got uh, a second place, she can still run another one. And he said, well, you don't understand. This was in the open. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the time, the only opens that I had seen is what Philip and I, for several years before, we would go out and we would shoot flyers. We didn't pay a bit of attention of, you know, basically what was going on in that, in that field trial world and uh anyway a few weeks later i had signed up for a a field trial in south carolina and i was going up to train with her we got everything organized in order got everything taken care of you know added a new shift i went up to train a couple of days to and pick her up and I got up there, and the snow was so deep, and it was so cold, we couldn't even try. So I called Richard McDonald in Hartsville and told him what my situation was. He said, well, come on down. We'll get a little bit of training. And the trial started on Saturday, and I didn't get down there till Thursday, and I got a couple of days of training. And lo and behold, that little stinker, I was a nervous wreck. I mean, this is the first time I'd stood in a field trial. My hand was shaking so bad I, I It's like Saint Vitus dance, yeah.
2: And she probably wasn't nervous at all, huh?
1: No, Uh, I mean she just and she won the thing. She went out there and won it, and that was kind of our start in the field trial world. And I had, uh, I think, about four dogs with uh, at least three dogs with Andy for about six years, and that's when I went up and started staying with him uh i spent oh 13 14 years you know doing hunt test and at the time i thought you know i thought i knew pretty much what i was doing and when i got into the field trial world and with andy and really saw the, the In in a different venue, the disciplines, not talking about beating up the dog, but the things that they had to really worry about and think about, the line manners, the focus, and all of this, it was a totally different world. And I guess over the years, what I tried to do when I did end up going and started training for other people is try to bring that mentality for me to the hunt test world um in my realm because yeah that makes sense Uh, well
2: and it also sounds like you know that was perfect for you to enter the great outdoor games right because to your point super sue was highly decorated in the hunt test world so then you were just looking for something new to do so you you train her in field trials then it looks like she's a natural at that too so by the time She kind of makes her way to Super Retriever Series and and the Great Outdoor Games in in 2001. She's already a really well-trained dog and and, and ready for for basically anything they can throw at her in that event. And so, you know, those events were kind of the precursor to the current day SRS. and, And there it is on ESPN. And all these people are seeing Jerry Day and Super Sue out there. And, you know, what was it like for you to compete in that and ultimately to win the
1: Great Outdoor Games? Oh, oh, it it was awesome. Uh, It just gave us another venue to get involved with. And back when it first started, it was part of the, you know, the great outdoor games. And uh, it was exciting for me. And it it, it was exciting for her. And matter of fact, I mean, I met a lot of people doing a couple of three years of uh, competing with her uh, before I got with Nike. And we're still friends today. Uh, One of the greatest stories that I can ever tell you about. Now, I'll take just a minute. When I run the first SRS here last year, I I had a little dog named Millie. I still have her. Uh, She was another client dog, but she was not a field trial dog. And when I ended up selling the farm, and everything i thought about selling her finding her home but golly she had been with me for many years training her for a client and then we worked out a, an arrangement where he basically gave her to me and uh i was ill and ended up had some heart issues we won't even get into any of that uh but i had to sell my farm and Moved, my wife and I, we moved in with our son so that when something happened to me, he could take care of her. And uh, after I got to feeling better and started getting a little exercise and got to feeling a little, little bit better, the doctor said, I asked him, I said, I, I need to get out and get with my dogs if it's okay. And he said, that'd do you good. And I did. And uh, up Stephen Durant, they so was having a SRS event up there. I entered, I think, uh, my puppy and Millie, with the only intentions I uh, was looking for was just to get out of the first two series <laughs> without without DQing, and ended up who was there, Rody Best,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I hadn't seen Rody in many many years, I, and it when when he walked up and saw me and we hugged each other's neck he said you know we're the dinosaurs of this sport and I said yes sir and it ended up he won the pro side of it and Millie won the amateur side of it and I i think Shannon sent me a picture that somebody had took of both of us there and I, I still got it on my phone and that that was a heartwarming, heartwarming situation and Uh, you know, this dog gang, it's just, it changed my wife and I's whole life. I mean, most of our friends other than family, uh, is involved uh, around people that we've met with our dogs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you you claim you're a dinosaur. I think the rest of us would claim you're a legend. I can't tell you how many of our guests that we've had on this podcast have said, I said, you know, Hey, when'd you get into retriever trials? And they'll be like, Oh, when I was, uh, when I was younger, I was watching on, you know, great outdoor games back in the day with, with Jerry day. And then, you know, Ron Anderson even told me he was so excited to, you know, actually be competing against you this past year. So I think there's a lot of people that are excited that you're, that you're back in the game. Um, in addition to super Sue back in those, those early days, you also had one of super Sue's, uh, offspring Nike. And, uh, she was, uh, a great dog uh, seems like she either won or placed at almost every event she ran at the SRS um, and then can you just tell us about you know Nike's time in, in the SRS and then uh, of course um, we know that that Nike passed on but but what it means to you that there's an award named after Nike that that goes on every year uh, at the SRS uh, to, to honor her memory
1: well you just mentioned in this right now it just gives me cold chills uh, yeah, we lost Nike way too soon. Uh, she was a, a wonderful animal. And li- Sue lived to be 10 days, like in being 15 years old. And, you know, as she got older, we, ex- we, we knew what was coming. But with Nike, it was just so quick. Matter of fact, I had left a SRS event early we was in the top 12 uh semifinals and she just wasn't running right and i told him i said look i, I got to go well he, he, i said I, whoever's next bring him up i said i'm leaving i got to go get back home and get to the vet and uh, it took me a couple of days well time i got home got to the vet then a week later she is you know we had to put her down but uh she was a tremendous animal, uh, like three points having her FC, like three points having her AFC. Um, she was a pleasure to run. And for this award, you know, to be given to her, it, it, it just, as a matter of fact, this last uh, crown I uh, went out and that evening when they gave that award, to the uh, young man the guy that got it. It just gave me cold chills. And, uh, I'm just so blessed and so proud. And a uh, matter of fact, I can't hardly talk right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: anyway, anyway, it, she was a blessing to us also. And we, we cherish her and we cherish the honor that, uh, SRS, uh, has bestowed on her. And, uh, we just, you know, the people that earn it, uh, doggone it uh we appreciate all of them and we appreciate you know the people that run this this sport um
2: well you know, and i know for the people that have won it it's quite the honor i know even a few years back when Rody won it he was talking about you know how much it means to him to win that award and so it's glad that her her memory can from carry on um yeah. about that same time you went from being a an amateur. Correct me if my timeline not correct here, but about that same time is when you went from being a, an amateur dog trainer to being, to being a professional. Uh, and so tell us about that transition and, and your years as, as uh, being a, a dog trainer for a living.
1: Well, and now I appreciate that. Uh, after we got the farm going uh, and, and I had a good training group that we trained on and, I, I sold everything we had. We sold dogs to field, had a business dog to field, sold them on my machine shop, and went to our property, and we built a kennel. And I just, I learned so much after training other people's dogs. Because when you're training your own and you're bringing them up from eight weeks on up, the time they get six months old, you know what you've put in them. You know the personalities. You know what you have. And I really learned to respect a dog trainer after training, you know, professionally myself. And another thing that gave me a great honor is after I'd been training for three or four years, uh, you know, being invited to come into the PRTA. Uh, that, that made me feel real good. Uh, it's a good organization. Uh and it's a very credited organization, but I enjoy, even today, now I'm going to tell you something, like I said, I I won't be 82 until October, but back when we, when Millie won that SRS up in uh, uh, Sylvania, Georgia, at uh, Stephen Durant's place, and Stephen is a great competitor in this SRS too, and a great trainer, but I got a puppy, and that he's he'll be a year old the 27th of this month, and I'm hoping that, uh, and I feel pretty confident. Uh, I got a pretty good read on, on the dogs, that uh, he's gonna be. A, if I live, he's gonna be a competitor, uh, in this SRS.
2: And what's uh, that little guy's name?
1: Sue. I named him a boy named Sue. <laughs> And I told him, I said, really, you little stinker, you got some big shoes to fill. And anyway, as he came along, uh, I, I feel real confident that uh, he's going to be a, 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 a good player. Uh, very bright young dog. And the thing that interested me is I competed against one of the greatest dogs. People don't, may not even remember him, but his name was Shadow, Candlewood Shadow owned by Marvin Blunt. Uh, Marvin was a field trialer, an attorney, uh, had a great facility, and Shadow was out of Lottie and Abe, Honest Abe. And he was one of the most intelligent dogs that back in those days uh, that, that I run against. And when I found out that Shadow was his great-granddaddy, I didn't care who his daddy was. I, I said, that's a puppy for me. And uh, I think I think this young man is going to do his great granddaddy some some good, some honors. So I'm real pleased with him at this point. Like I say, he won't be a year old until this month. And uh, he's coming along real well.
2: well. Well, we'll be on the lookout for sure for a boy named Sue in the, in the future and, and also Millie. I want to talk to you more about Millie here in a moment. Uh, for everyone listening, of course, we're, we're talking to the, the legend here in the Retriever Trial uh, game, Jerry Day. Before we continue, I want to take another quick moment to, to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba Sporting dogs give us everything we ask for, and then some, their nutrition should do the same for them. You can find more information about Yukonuba at com, and also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, username dog. So, Jerry, after all those years, uh, you weren't competing uh, in the SRS, uh, but as you said a few moments ago, uh, sold the farm, sold uh, your business, uh, moved in. You and your wife with your son uh, decided to start com- competing again, went and competed in that event up at Steve Endurance's property, and you and Millie qualified for this past year's crown championship um so what was that experience like for you coming back after all these years competing for for another crown after you'd been gone for a while were there nerves were were there hey i've been doing this for for decades now i'm not i'm not worried or what was going through your mind that weekend in huntsville
1: well anybody that says that they're not nervous when they come to the line running a dog they either don't have any blood in their veins or they're lying um i'm there's a certain amount of nerves uh any time that you're running uh and and I thrive on competition I always have and and I love it and but you've got to learn to control it because if you let your nerves get away with you, your dogs pick up on this and these these dogs are so- we have no idea what all of these dogs are capable of when they can, they can go and smell cancer on people and all of these different things that these dogs can do. It's just incredible. And over the years that I've been in this game, I mean, I've back in the day when Sue was running, there were some great dogs and some good tests back there. Uh, uh, tremendous dogs. and But the training has gotten better. The equipment has gotten better. Um, and, and the dogs are getting better. Uh, uh, I mean, they're just great running dogs today. I mean, to compete in field trials and or hunt tests, uh, you got to have a, a darn good dog to be competitive. And this SRS, what I like about it, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from the hunt test because there's something out there for everybody. And the SRS is just a different venue. And it gives me an opportunity to, you know, to come back in and meet some old friends and, and run. And as I said earlier, I had no expectations with Millie, but Millie is a, f- a fair marker. And I mean, she's a pretty good marker, but she's a good little blind runner, and uh, it it gave her an opportunity there to, uh, you know, hold a good score on a uh, one of these big crazy blinds that they set up sometimes in the SRS. And I think it's fun. I mean, because everybody has to do it. And if you go to one of these SRSs, the judges are going to find the weaknesses in some in these dogs. And uh, I just enjoy the challenge of, okay, this is what we got. How am I going to try to figure this thing out? I just, uh,
2: you know, at my age,
1: I don't get around quite as good as I used to. And I'm not as quick as I, I used to be, but uh, it's still fun, and I'm gonna compete until my last dying breath. You know,
2: I was about to say, what's uh, what's the rest of this year hold for for you and Millie now that uh, things are opening back up and we're we're back to a full schedule in the SRS? You're gonna you're gonna compete with Millie again this year, and can where can we expect to to see you out there? And uh, you know, just what are your hopes for for this season?
1: Well, uh, yesterday I'm sitting here looking at the two srs's up in minnesota uh coming up here in the last uh july the 30th and i think the august the 6th if the weather will break up there a little bit i may end up going up there Uh, i've got another little dog that harley she's uh qualified for the crown now i think and uh she's Let's say she's placed fifth or sixth, uh, and I, I spent some time today, a uh, couple hours training this morning, and I'm working on some stuff with her, and hopefully by this fall, uh, she'll be a little better competitor, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's work in progress, and Millie, Millie is older. Uh, I, bless her heart. You know, she's got some little issues. She's got a little arthritis like me. Matter of fact, she's got a lot of arthritis like me. But uh, we're we're treating it. And uh, we did some water work with her today. And, you know, if, if she's able, we'll be running the crown. I, I'm just not going to push her while it's, you know, all this hot heat. Uh, I'm not going to do, a, you know, a lot of big stuff with her right now. I'll wait till it cools off. But uh, I'm I'm I may end up going up to Minnesota. Uh, I just I'd rather do that than sit around here, and, you know, and look out the window. Uh, I like being outside with my dogs, and, hey, and man, I, like, I like That's... I like training. I I really do. I enjoy training. But you had asked me a question earlier mm-hmm. about you know the professional part. What I enjoyed the most, honestly is to take when people would send me these six-month, five-month, eight-month-old dogs. Some of them didn't know the name. A lot of the pro trainers that hear this, they'll know what I'm talking about. And to take that young dog and to mold it into a dog that can perform, and then whether if it's a field trial dog, it goes on to a field trial pro and gets its FC, AFC, so forth, goes on, runs, gets its AKC title, its SRS title, or, well, they got a new title in SRS. I like to see a lot of running that or in the HRC. And that, 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 for me, was what I enjoyed the most. Uh, Taking the young dogs and taking them through basics because I see so many amateurs today, they buy a puppy before they even read a book uh, or or know what to even start doing. It's like having a baby and then say, oh, what do I do with this? But I tell you what, there's a young man, Freddie King. Uh, he's got a, a thing on, on YouTube. He's doing a great job. Uh, there's a forum or outlet where the people can ask questions. And get a lot of answers, and uh, he's helping a lot of people out. And there's a lot of good pros out there. I mean, uh, Chris Akins, I love him. Steven Durant, I love him. Uh, Andy Atar, my mentor. Mike Lardy, my mentor. Uh, Danny Farmer, uh, mentor. Uh, good Pat Burns. I mean, that's they, some good people out there helping. You know, people like the amateurs and in the in the Amateurs that, that need a lot of help. Uh, these folks are helping folks. And well, and that's needed them. to
2: grow the sport, right? So I, I would be interested to get your perspective on what's the future of the sport look like.
1: Well, I, I mean, the indications right now, starting on the 19th, the uh, National Amateurs got 151 dogs in it. And if I'm not mistaken, that's pretty close to a record. Last year, I believe we had 130. I remember back when uh, I was judging in the field trials uh, we judged one of the large first trials it was ever over a hundred and there's been some up and downs and, and you know some depending on some of the years but the future of the sport if we don't let the politics get involved in it and I'm talking about taking land and not letting you shoot ducks and all of this stuff, uh, taking our uh, properties that we train on and run on. If they don't take that, the, the sport's going to grow.
2: Well, that's great to hear, and I think everybody on this, on this uh, podcast would agree. Jerry, before we let you go, we want to ask you five quick final questions. We always end the podcast with just kind of a rapid fire. I give you a quick question, first answer that comes to your head. Uh, and so we always ask everybody the same five questions. What's something about you that most people don't know? Uh,
1: they don't they don't know how slow I am. <laughs>
2: when I say retriever, who's the first dog that comes to mind and why? It could be one of your own or someone
1: else's? Well, uh, Sue comes to my mind. Nike, really.
2: If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be?
1: Competitive.
2: Hey, that's a good one in this field. What profession other than your own would you have wanted to attempt?
1: When you say professions, uh, you talking about in dog training or?
2: No, 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 just any profession. So, so it, it, if you could do anything in the world as a job, what would it be? Other than, than being a, a trainer, because obviously everybody on here trains. So yeah. other than being a dog trainer, what would, what would be your dream uh, occupation?
1: It would have been a pilot. I started out, that was my first goal. Uh, to be a pilot i ended up being a pilot my own but i'd like to flown for the navy but i blew that Uh, i got married when i was under deferment and i ended up uh, spending my active duty uh, as a white hat
2: final question for you you have a weekend to yourself there's not a dog competition to compete in you don't have anything else to do. No honey to do, no honey to list from your wife. How are you spending that time? I think I know the answer. It's probably yeah, out with your dogs.
1: It is. It is. Or, or reading some of the stuff that, uh, some of my peers have written. Uh, you know, Lardy's got a lot of stuff out. I, 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 I continue to do some reading, uh, dog training, reading and stuff like that. But I like to spend time with my dogs first training. If I'm not doing that, I'm, When I'm here in the house and nothing else to do, I'm looking at dog articles.
2: Hey, man, uh, there's nothing better than that. Jerry, we really appreciate your time here today. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, Look forward to seeing you at some upcoming SRS events and, of course, seeing you at the Crown this year. But uh, on on behalf of everyone with the Super Retriever Series, thanks so much for, for joining us today on the podcast And I know everyone listening to this has really enjoyed all the the insight and knowledge you've shared with us. Thanks so much.
1: Well, thank you, and I apologize for being hoarse. Uh, I've been out training today, hollering back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone everyone (laughs) listening to this can can appreciate that. They've probably all been there themselves. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you.
0: Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Stand presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.